Were I a screenwriter, the first month of 2020 in Australia would provide the perfect theme for a Netflix-style drama. The storyline would be unbelievable, were it not true. It includes the steady build-up to a catastrophe, followed by a conflagration, death and destruction, vignettes of abject human misery, wonderful tales of individual and collective bravery, intervention by the armed forces and incalculable financial loss. The story is overhung with a subplot of an international crisis threatening the country and a weak government mouthing platitudes and losing control. I'm, of course, talking about our country, Australia, and the chain of events that started in December with loud warnings of catastrophic bushfires and, coincidentally, US President Donald Trump's decision to stir up more trouble in the Middle East, providing a distraction to his impending impeachment trial. Already on holiday, the Morrison government went into standby mode, the PM himself flying off with his family across the Pacific to the United States. We all know what happened next. I don't need to tell you that Scott Morrison, or ScoMo as he likes to be known, is the anti-hero in this melodrama and has been subjected to considerable public vilification both here and overseas, some of it justified, some not. Hold on, we at Australian Strategies are not writing a film script. We're here to examine realities, assess where the government has been found wanting and make sensible and serious suggestions for policy change. I expect those of you who read the Sydney Morning Herald were, like me, surprised by this story, headed, Wake Up Call for the World, British Parliament Confronts Bushfire Disaster. The British Parliament? Had I misread it? Well, no. Indeed, the new speaker, Sir Lindsay Hoyle, raised the issue himself in a formal statement disclosing he'd called our House of Representatives Speaker, Tony Smith, to express UK MPs' concerns and saying all Australians are in Britain's thoughts, as indeed they were. The Commons debate took place last Thursday with bipartisan support for Australians affected, coupled with strong calls for Morrison's crew to take climate change more seriously. But you may ask, where's the Australian Parliament in all this? Well, no, Morrison has not taken up our suggestion that MPs should be recalled to Canberra this week for several days of debate on the biggest domestic crisis this country has faced in half a century, as well as the threats to Australia by Iran and its proxies as a result of Morrison's ally, President Trump, deciding to order the killing of Tehran's top general. No, our lethargic leaders and MPs are not due to show up in Canberra until February the 12th. In fact, our well-paid lawmakers are only scheduled to have 78 sitting days this year. What a joke. It's surely time we took our democracy seriously. By my calculation, only five times in the last decades has the House of Representatives sat for more than 50 days, and in 2018, the Turnbull government faced questions on only 26 days. That compares with the early years in Melbourne, the turn of the century, when the average was 100 days. Another way of looking at it is to make international comparisons. 
across the Anglosphere, the lower houses in Canada and the United Kingdom and the House of Representatives in the United States are all within the 125 to 150 days a year band. Across the Tasman, New Zealand MPs have to show up at the Wellington Parliament for 90 days a year. Given what has happened over the last month, Parliament needs much more time to discuss all the consequences raised by recent events, by which I mean a national wildfire strategy, which should include inputs from Indigenous actors, from business, especially insurance specialists, and from the firefighters themselves. It also means reopening the climate change debate, where Australia has attracted international opprobrium for its lack of support for the recent Madrid summit and the need to rethink its policies ahead of the upcoming UN summit in Glasgow. There, Morrison is set to face up to a wily opponent in the shape of the British Prime Minister Boris Johnson, who has recently come to embrace the kind of action that ScoMo is now resisting. Britain now has nearly half its electricity generated from zero-carbon energy resources, with more than a quarter coming from wind farms, solar and hydro, which together only contributed just 2.3% two decades ago. Clean energy now outstrips output from fossil fuels, with a huge decline in coal. There's only four coal-fired generators left. As of January the 10th, wind towers, both on and offshore, have been a significant feature of the UK transformation. Given Australia's vast land mass and extensive coastline, the scope for wind power and solar is vastly greater than in Britain and its development would create many more construction and permanent jobs than could ever be achieved by the heavily subsidised Adani mine in Queensland. That project should be denied subsidies and tax breaks and mothballed until clean coal technologies are fully developed, so we can be sure that the exported product will not continue to create health and environmental problems to millions of families in India's choking cities. Looked at state by state, Victoria is the largest generator of electricity by wind farm, but its output is overshadowed by a ratio of 6 to 1 by brown coal. But South Australia now gets half its electricity from wind, an achievement that scuttles all those sneers by Malcolm Turnbull two years ago, claiming Premier Jay Wetherill was reckless in opting for renewables over coal. Those like me with long memories also recall that it was the coalition with Turnbull as PM and Morrison as Treasurer who turned down a proposal to acquire US water bomber aircraft, like those lent to us by the Americans in our last bushfire crisis. I'm also indebted to Jacqueline Malley for an excellent Sydney Morning Herald article You'll find a link to it at the bottom of our website, exposing Tony Abbott's duplicity on climate change. Uh, but at least Abbott was out there fighting the bushfires, unlike Morrison, who ran away from the torrid criticism he received in Cobargo and has yet to recall his cabinet together to plan a new strategy. Looking back, would Bob Hawke, Paul Keating, 
have shown such a lack of leadership? Of course not. The simple truth is that these men knew about strategy. All in their way had a vision for Australia. Morrison, alas, has none. Just slogans. Sure, his government has reacted to the huge risk to endangered species. Many of these are indigenous to Australia. He's also set up a national bushfires recovery agency with funding of $2 billion. But the real cost of restoration will dwarf this amount. Morrison's thinking has been only short term, not beyond the next election. Let's conclude on an optimistic note. There has been some good news in recent days. BlackRock, the world's largest investment firm, has now announced that it's going to change its policy and now help fund action on climate change. World leaders meet in Davos in coming days with this high on their agenda. What is also heartening is the support coming from poorer countries in our neighbourhood. New Zealand sending its firefighters and now troops, planes and helicopters to help our own people. And Papua New Guinea, Vanuatu and Fiji also providing support. That reminds us of the importance of the Pacific Islands for PG's Prime Minister says he has a thousand soldiers ready to fly to Australia to help us out. And the Governor of the Port Moresby region put forward the idea of a pipeline between the two countries to pump water to Australia in the dry season. Of course, that begs the question, why hasn't Canberra built such a pipeline from the wild rivers in the Northern Territory, one of the wettest places on earth? You know the answer, of course. There are no votes in it. Such is today's mood, though, that this may change. And the Prime Minister this week has shown traces of humility, accepting he could have handled things better, and that climate change is real and was a factor. Now, of course, the priority is to action the changes that need to be made.